I see. I don't think he would be a class trader. I think he'd stick with the bourgeoisie. Like I think he'd. He's he's Sir Topham Hat. He's a member of the elite. Mm, like I do, I think I don't think he'd join a picket. I don't think he'd support the workers. You you never know <laughs> when when things come down to it. Uh, come the revolution, we'll see what side he's on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, like um, Che Guevara was like solidly like upper middle class for like where he was born, and like Lenin was upper like upper middle class. I think. Like you know, maybe Sir Topham Hat is is the Vladimir Lenin of of Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> They're both bald, so they got that going. <laughs> They're both bald and love waistcoats. It's the two things. <laughs> they both got those hats. They both got drip. Like that's what we're saying. They both got drip. <laughs> God's sake. Okay, fuck it. Should we start this? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Unions in the UK, a podcast about unions in the UK. My name is Henry, pronouns they, them, and I'm here with Corey. Hi, I'm Corey, my pronouns are she, her. Nice. Um, there's something happened this week. I've noticed there's a, a few, <laughs> like, a lot going on in the news, but I, I can't quite figure out if anything's happened. I mean, I think there was, like, one, one big thing that's eaten all of the other news... Um, one piece of dominant news why doesn't the big news simply eat all the the smaller newses well good news it has um good. oh wow it, it did exactly that we haven't heard anything in the uk except for uh things about the queen's death and subsequent funeral i'm madge <sighs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm madge sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Wow, um, geez, that's a that's that's a whole thing. Um, what are we doing the episode about? Interestingly enough, so we're going to talk about how the the death of the queen impacted on all the trade union activity in the UK and what that means. Like, why why did that happen? Why why are we like this? It's pretty weird, right? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like, for those of you who are, are not from the UK, um... Shout out to our one God, listener in Austria. One listener in Austria, one in Spain, two in Australia. Um, <laughs> and also, I mean, good for you, honestly. Um, <laughs> the UK is quite interesting when it comes to the Queen. Um, uh, you, like, she is a, um, and like, you'll see this in the news quite a bit. She's a symbol of the British Empire, you know, a symbol, and that means that she has no power, right? Um, but mm-hmm, wait, mm-hmm. I, I, I have heard that about the Queen, yeah. You have heard that about the Queen, she has no power? Um, and so, It's interesting, when you, when you do suggest she does have power, like, what happens? Uh, the worst people alive get very angry at you. I see. Um, how many of these are we talking about? A, lo- a lot. 
Okay. Or, um, you know, maybe just a few, but being very loud. It's it's the, really difficult to tell. Yeah, um, yeah. But I guess that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the UK is, is, is very interesting in that the Queen is all of us. We are the Queen and she is us. And so when she died, a part of us died too. Um <laughs> I think that I think that actually quite quite accurately captures a lot of the feelings towards her, honestly. Yeah, there's um, I mean there's there's other podcasts that'll talk more in depth about what what the Queen means as a symbol, why her her death has broken a lot of brains in the UK, what that says about them. But we're not here to talk about that. We we simply don't care. Um, no. We're here to Official talk stance of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, like um, we're here to talk about why, why the day uh, she died, multiple unions that were gaining a lot of momentum in their industrial action cancelled their strikes. Notably, the CWU and I believe the RMT. Have we actually checked that, or am I just slandering the trade um, people? No, I'm pretty sure the RMT did push theirs. But I think they moved theirs. Um, uh, yeah, if CWU they didn't, have still like they've they have moved them. Yeah, um, they cancelled theirs on the eighth and ninth of, of September. Because um, yeah. I mean, the eighth was when Armadge died, um, and then the ninth was you know the day that everyone outside was wearing black. And I always wear black all the time. And so when I went around Asda and people were nodding at me, I thought something was on my face. <laughs> Uh, and then I realised it's it was because we all have a horrible, horrible sickness. Um, uh, but that sickness is actually interesting because that kind of uh, has a bit of an impact on on what am I trying to say here, Corey? Well, I mean, I think it's sort of a a display of how the state overrules everything else when something yeah. truly important happens to the state it overrules everything including what should be a, a trade union's prime directive which is to continue with industrial action until you've won and that feels like a bit of a problem right yeah it does it's not like the queen's death isn't the only time this kind of thing happens um obviously there's the the whole month that everyone in the country uh, has to wear a poppy, no matter what you believe about the institution that that's raising money for, about the uh, symbolism that that represents, whatever, no matter what you believe, if you're not wearing a poppy, you are basically hounded out of public life if you have a high profile, to the point where at one point, one point uh when david cameron was prime minister he actually went to china on a state visit wearing his poppy and uh upset <laughs> the the chinese government because over there the poppy isn't a symbol of remembrance of people who died in in wars well i mean i suppose it is actually just a um a, a war that we inflicted on them as we wanted them to buy all of our heroin. I'm just imagining. I mean, who was um who was uh, chairman of China at that point? Uh, it was Xi, wasn't it? Like, was Xi's... it Xi? Okay. Yeah, I'm Xi's just been in charge Xi for a stood while. There. 
like shaking hands with David Cameron and like gripping maybe just a bit too tight. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely furious at the man who allegedly fucked a pig. That's I I mean maybe maybe that's softened the blow a bit for him. I mean this was before that whole news came out. Um wild. Oh, what that was that was yeah, the the UK is seven years ago. Yeah, the UK is a weird labyrinthine mess of strange politics that don't make any sense. For people who have no idea what I'm referring to when I'm talking about a man who allegedly fucked a pig, look up David Cameron Piggate, and I'm not going to ruin the surprise for you. Like, because it's it's worse than what I said somehow. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he didn't fuck a pig. He just put his <laughs> willy inside the pig's mouth. Simple. <laughs> Yeah, and it okay. gets worse. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so these weird displays of like state state power that have to be enforced across everyone impact trade unions as well. Um, and the reason that it impacts them is things like the mainstream media, uh, like newspapers, television news, all of that will viciously attack absolutely anyone who doesn't perfectly toe the line at the moment at that moment i mean like i i i i i'm running the risk of i my my personal like uh feeling towards running this podcast was i was going to do everything in my power not to mention jeremy corbyn as much as i could (laughs) but i mean he's a prime example of of what happens so like there was a time when they were doing a memorial service and he didn't bow enough um he didn't bow to the perfect angle for enough at least enough for the for for the for the newspapers uh, and they hounded him for doing a, a, a what like a it was a subtle jab at the monarchy and those who had fallen even though this dude was he, he was showing like uh, fucking display of obedience to the state, and that wasn't enough, sort of thing. Yeah. So it, it's 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 truly bizarre. Uh, this country. Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, that that's sort of the thing is like, even if you do, even if you do the appropriate like rituals and def- deference and everything, there's a chance that the that the mainstream media, especially, will will run against you, and that this has been happening basically forever i've actually got a reasonably long gramsci quote from newspapers and the workers from 1916 uh where gramsci specifically talks about this where he says um the bourgeois newspapers tell even the simplest of facts in a way that favors the bourgeois class and damns the working class in its politics has a strike broken out the workers are always wrong as far as the bourgeois newspapers are concerned is there a demonstration the demonstrations are always wrong solely because they are workers and they are always hotheads rioters hoodlums the government passes a law it's always good useful and just even if it's not and if there's an electoral, political, or administrative struggle, the best programs and candidates are always those of the bourgeois parties. So this has been happening forever. Since there has been a uh, working class representative on like any sort of national level or international level, this has been going on. Um, and Gramsci specifically talks about like strikes there and uh, things that will still be relevant to trade unions specifically. And 
Um, just a, a bit of background on Gramsci, just in case people aren't sure. Oh yeah, sure. Who yeah. he is? Uh, I mean, like, what was happening in Italy around that time? <laughs> so Gramsci was born. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to do do a whole bit now. Uh, Gramsci yeah, sure, sure, was sure. an Italian Marxist at the time uh, that fascism was on the rise. Uh, he was put in prison by a fascist judge who specifically said uh, we need this man's brain to to stop working um because i feel that about myself as well sometimes yeah but when i say it about me uh that that just means that i would like to sleep for once (laughs) when a judge says it about gramsci it means he had some some very good and interesting ideas Mm -hmm. um but yeah he was uh, a marxist theorist um in sort of incredibly influential um and we're going to talk about actually like one of like his most influential theories in just a moment because uh the reason that that unions <clears throat> that unions do struggle with the media and do sort of have to capitulate to these rituals even when um it goes against what should be their prime directive again as as trade unions is struggling for the working class it's because the working class do not have cultural hegemony uh they don't have cultural hegemony uh which is a theory that basically says the people in charge of the culture get to deem what is and is not acceptable so like you look at um what drug laws are in place like even even if a drug is ultimately harmless or a a drug would be uh, good to prescribe to people for for certain things the reason it isn't is because of cultural hegemony the the people in charge have decided that they don't want that to be available and the people are not powerful enough in the culture to decide that it's something that should change. Uh, yeah, I think. Sorry, I, I was <laughs> I was reading the Gramsci quote again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like no, I think that's a pretty good um, definition. I was I was seconds away from saying what is cultural hegemony, apart from a <laughs> word that I will never be able to spell, um, along with bourgeoisie and bourgeois. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that that is like in, that is interesting as well. Considering like I mean, what we talked about last week, trade unions, uh, at least a lot of them are like pretty much uh, some of them are part of the functioning of the state. Yeah. Why why don't they have that that um that 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 hegemony or any sort of like piece of the pie of that hegemony sort of thing? So I mean, in in the UK specifically, I think it's. It's because, like we talked about last time, um, I think it was last time where I talked about like Rosa Luxemburg saying the like the the trade unions in the UK are so old and established that they're basically already part of the state, mm. which means they're they're subject to the cultural hegemony because they're not part of a counterculture that's trying to develop a different one. So they don't have the power to develop a different cultural he- cultural hegemony, and it's sort of hard to imagine them having that power unless they're willing to defy 
what is the current cultural hegemony and they currently don't feel like they're in a position to challenge that and, and like, especially in a i mean like thinking from their perspective in such a critical time like hot strike summer and moving into hot strike autumn um <laughs> they, they have a lot of this motivation yeah and they don't want to uh spend that solidarity sort of thing yeah uh, like it's sort of like in um like in the in the eighties during the miners' strike, there was a, a saying about like Arthur Scargill where uh, if he didn't exist, someone would have had to invent him, kind of thing, because the the media at that point wanted to destroy the unions, and the the me the mainstream media is looking for an excuse to beat down the strikes. It's one of the reasons we ended up talking about Eddie Dempsey last time, um, because he was being used as a wedge issue by the right-wing media to attack the strikes and like he is a a liability and a danger and by by a number of accounts a racist a colossal um, piece of shit yeah um like all of these things are true but the media is still using him uh was still using him as a as a tool uh, because they have that that power, and trade unions do not have any sort of actual media presence. There's no left wing paper in in the UK, no mainstream left wing paper that's solely dedicated to the union perspective. Like we've got the Guardian, but they are at best like a they're bo- they're bougie as fuck. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're they're, they're, they're like. Um... Oh, me dad's me uh me dad's flower shop, me dad's working class flower shop business, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, yeah, I don't know how best to describe them, but they're um they're, they're definitely um they're sort of like almost like petty bourgeois levels of yeah, yeah, yeah. of person where it's like you you don't understand that by throwing in your lot with the people you're throwing in with when you do you're causing yourself problems, but okay, yes. yeah. um, um, I mean like so. It's not the best example. Like, I can't remember which of them is runs it, but uh, the Morning Star I see sold in new, in newspaper shops, not in huge quantities. But I can't remember which of the communist parties in the UK run that. There are like oh, it could be them. any of them. It could it be could be any of them. Absolutely any of them. Um, apparently, let's have a look. See who owns it now. Watch as it is it watch it I can't even speak English. Watch as it is another fucking SWP front. <laughs> like No, it's <laughs> So apparently, um it was transferred from the Communist Party of Great Britain to a readers cooperative. Oh. Um in nineteen forty five. Um it still describes itself, as far as I'm aware. It's the one... Have you seen their logo? It's like the hammer and sickle, but the sickle is a big dove. Oh, I believe it's one of the... the, the one of the cooler ones. And I say that with, like, a pinch of salt, because the, the communist parties in the UK are interesting. This is no shade on them, but um, they're, they're, uh, there's some I, interesting I mean... intermingling. I'd like to throw some shade on them, especially, <laughs> especially if the um, if the Morning Star's editorial stance is, is indicative of of theirs. Is they they have a problem with trans people, and that that doesn't sit right with me for some reason. 
Oh, is the Morningstar transphobic? Uh, yeah, there was a cartoon. Oh, grim. Um, a cartoon not too long ago that was like the the um, the watershed moment for like, no, no, this is just transphobic, and you're not stopping this. Where it was, I think. It, it was like it was like an editorial cartoon of like a bunch of newts, and then there was an alligator getting into the little pond with them, being like, don't, oh, "Yeah, yeah, don't worry, classic. I'm a I'm a newt too." Um, oh. And yeah, I'm sure there are members of of the Communist Party of Great Britain and indeed the Morning Star team who are not transphobic. Unfortunately, they are carrying water for people who are. Um, yeah. All right, fuck them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, because <laughs> I, I, like I know that the the very transphobic uh, communist party is C CPGB dash ML, um, and they're all Marxist Leninist, but that one that calls itself Communist Party of Great Britain dash Marxist Leninist is the tough one. <laughs> it's like the they they are unapologetically so. Uh, they're the anti. Um, they're the the only thing that matters is class. There is nothing else. Party. Ah, wonderful. Um, we love, and of course we they're going to run into some. Yeah, yeah. And of course they're going to run into some issues with trans people as well as LGBT people and probably uh, black people as well. Um, yeah, not I mean, saying that they actively yeah. hate black people, but they'll probably downplay their experience. Yeah, like I'm sure there was something else with the Communist Party of Britain that I'm that I'm not remembering. Uh, that's just one that sticks in my head for obvious reasons. Okay. Uh, okay. So fuck the morning start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But basically, like cool. Like, and that's that's sort of the problem is that yeah. like the morning start isn't even remotely comparable to. No, no, not at all. To, it's like, just it's one that I media. see on the shelves next to the mainstream ones. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So yeah, back to where we were then. Yeah. <laughs> so. It just confuses me that like trade unions don't have a established media wing anymore. Like they don't. I mean, go on. I was gonna say, didn't CWU have like a news channel at one point? Um, I mean, I know their Twitter handle is at CWU News. I swear they actually. I, and I'm I don't I'm know. pretty sure they had or have like a news a news thing. Uh. You'd think that that's the one that would would do it, right? Well, yeah, that's where all the media nerds are represented. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I don't know why there's no, like, trade union-funded newspaper. Like, I don't know why there's no uh, trade union sponsorships of f- fucking Twitch streamers. Like... I could... I'd do that. I'd do that. I pretty much already do that. <laughs> Like, I mean, I, I suppose that's actually part of it is like there's the expectation that people will do it for the cause. But like the thing is, people will still do it for the cause, even if you have like, you know, people who you pay to be sure that they're getting your perspective out there. Like Rupert Murdoch is losing money on a number of of his newspapers and media organizations. But that, but, like, it's it, a net win for him anyway, because yeah. like the less pe- the the less the working class are organized, the more money he can make off demonizing them and um, generally making things worse. Yeah, and like um, there's there's all these efforts to create like a left media organization. There's there's like um, 
like Navara Media for all of their faults and like Red Pepper magazine and um, like New Socialist and and stuff like that. Pe- people who do generally do uh, really good work and like Owen Jones, who you know. <laughs> you don't always have to agree with Owen Jones, but he's the closest thing we have to mainstream sure. left-wing yeah. um, representation. And every time his name trends on Twitter, it's because someone's angry at him for saying the most milk toast, oh yeah, for possible sure, possible left-wing idea. Like that all that all because he's gay. It, and they normally a lot of people go in for that for some reason. Ah, oh, yeah, they love to. They do love to do that i say for some reason i'm being sarcastic <laughs> i know exactly why they're going in for him for that yeah um, but like yeah he'll say i i don't think we should turn poor people into gruel to feed the the dogs of the wealthy and owen jones wants to starve the dogs of the wealthy yeah yeah exactly it's just such horrible bad faith nonsense and like we've talked about it a little bit before where people will get their ideas from the media they consume the end of that the end of that gramsci uh, article that newspapers and the workers it actually ends with him saying if the workers were to be persuaded of this most elementary of truths they would learn to boycott the bourgeois press with the same unity and discipline that the bourgeoisie boycott the newspapers of the workers he basically just saying don't buy the the don't buy the media products of the people who are opposed to you. <laughs> the uh, media products of the the people. It's it's one of like a lot of people will be like you gotta you gotta read the newspapers because you need to stay informed about what the the bourgeois are doing to you or what i mean like that's no because i need to think about this from a liberal perspective you gotta read the news to stay informed so you don't get you don't get swindled you don't get you don't get got by you know you've got to be aware of your political candidates and stuff like this you need to be aware so buy our papers please (laughs) um and it's that forever (laughs) yeah and like these these the media is one of like the largest tools in creating this cultural hegemony that creating and enforcing this cultural hegemony um that the trade unions have no power against like they uh like noam chomsky talks about like manufacturing consent and stuff and there's no in the uk there is no alternative for people but to engage with organizations that are trying to manufacture consent to do generally horrible things like generally not good things like just in case i wasn't clear before as well i did i didn't mean to say that reading news is bad (laughs) what i'm saying is that this media apparatus that is set up is designed to 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 is not in the best interest of working class people so not to don't get ever get news ever shove your fingers in your ears and hope for the best but to understand that you should like there need, there should be a, a working class perspective from these things and not solely a bourgeois perspective and the more you fu- funnel money into that the, the worse it gets sort of thing um oh fuck yeah. it don't don't read anything live in a cave <laughs> either or <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna go like hard pivot to anarcho-primitivism. 
Um, We're on a podcast. Shit. <laughs> we need to be communicating through doves. <laughs> Just ca- carrier pigeons. That. Like, we're, I mean, we're going to develop an oral history of the trade union movement. I'm going to tell... Yeah. I'm going to walk into a room, announce what's going on, and then you all have to go and tell your friends. Like, that's... And if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, here's... here's uh, no, I'm not going to say that, because I'm going to piss someone off by saying that. I mean, I've, okay, I've okay, already I'll say, called, it, but I'll say it, but I can edit it out. I've already so called fine. the Morning Star and by by extension, the Communist Party of Britain, transphobic. So I think in terms of upsetting people, yeah, this is the episode, apparently. This is the beef episode. We're just going to start beefs. Just gonna, I was just going to say, like, like, fucking, every time I read the Bible, right, and this is not to be like, Bible shit, because it, 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 it has some interesting insights. But what I was going to say is, like, the story of Jesus, to me, always reads one of a union organiser or just, like, a community organiser. Uh... Who, who who gets violently fucked up by the state. Um, that is my interpretation, and that is going to piss some people off. <laughs> but that's always been my interpretation of it. Well, I mean, like, if you look at, like, the early history of the socialist movement in the Western world, Christian socialism was the driving force. Keir Hardy yeah, was a Christian yeah, yeah. socialist. Like, one of the, the reasons that... Well, one of the many reasons that... Um, conservatives have such a bee in their bonnet about the the catholic church is because in south america especially there's a bunch of catholic leaders who are leftists they adhere to like liberation theology like martin luther king jr was a was a fucking minister for god's sake yeah 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 that's not a, a wild interpretation of of the story of Jesus of Nazareth at all, or even like the Bible, like um, I think there's a a bunch of a bunch of stuff around uh, modern leftist theory and uh, or modern Western leftist theory at the very least, and and Christianity that you can't disentangle from one another. Like at one point, at some point, I want to get the horrible thoughts out of my head about that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah absolutely. How, and we how, have a like, podcast, we can do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like how the, the revolution is related to the rapture in like the the idea, ideas that people hold about them and um, like that kind of thing, but this isn't the time for that. Another time. <laughs> how did we even get onto this? We started talking about anarcho-primitivists and lost it. <laughs> yeah. We just lost it completely. Um... Oh, yeah, about the news and me saying that please don't interpret me as saying you should be uninformed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Just be aware that if you're reading or if you're engaging with bourgeois media, then you are being informed from a bourgeois perspective and you should probably be seeking a, uh, a proletarian perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, obviously unions have tried to create that... Um, have tried to create that that media environment a little bit in the past like one of howard beckett um like keystone pledges when he was running for unite uh general secretary was having unite tv just having a news station that delivered stuff from a 
from a trade union perspective and i think it's a really good idea it's a pretty um, good idea yeah like i know it's not like sharon graham's mo she's got a whole other focus which is probably why she beat howard beckett because she's much more focused on those those um actual disputes in work as opposed to like the broader direction of of like the union at like a national level i suppose uh, she's more focused on like the actual workplace disputes, which is really cool and good. And again, why yeah. she won, and I think she was right. Like she was, she's right. Like those should be the major focus. I just think it's a shame that 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 idea specifically ended up falling by the wayside because Unite has loads of money. Unite has loads of capital to invest in these kinds of things to create begin creating that media environment where you're not just listening to bourgeois media again because this did exist in the past that's the thing and anyway the the point is that unions don't have this strength this cultural strength to go against the will of the state or they feel like they don't um have that kind of strength which means that they end up cancelling strikes when major events happen it's means that like one of like the the older examples is when world war one kicked off like the trade unions were part of the machinery of state and worked to create the munitions and everything like that like there were very few places across the world across the western world where the unions did not engage in in war in warfare prep which um, when the states demanded it of them exactly and and, and, like just to make things clear like um warfare pro-proletarian or or (laughs) anti-proletarian uh just to just to clear that up um workers shooting other workers is bad for workers um just to make that explicitly clear (laughs) um so yeah Yeah. i mean like like, that's one of the more extreme examples i think of like the state leveraging its power and its 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 hegemony over the workers and sort of disabusing them of of their struggle for a period of time whilst the state says actually it's not convenient for us right now can we check it's back in on convenient. this later later it's always a bad time yeah exactly and that's that's the thing is that it's always going to be a bad time so by by giving into this it sort of does feel a little bit like um it does feel a little bit like the the unions are sort of playing themselves a little bit by by going along with it at all like by not developing that that strength but like speaking oh god sorry i was just gonna say like um in terms of like developing that strength like that doesn't affect like that theoretically doesn't affect like the the reality of now and i was gonna sort of say it like is is outright capitulation to the state and what it demands of you, the right way to go about things like the current situation. And all I was going to say was like that whole idea of like it's not the right time gives the state an incredibly powerful tool if you if you back down to it. It, it, it I mean, they learn that yeah. all they have to do to stop any workers' movements 
is to just say, oh, sorry, no, not the right time. And if, if, if the workers' movements disagree with that, the way that they can steer things back is, I mean, like, conspiracy theory brain, but, like, manufacturing those, like, situations yeah. where it would be a bad time. Like, the thing is that these, these events do happen. Like, these events do happen. Like, there are, like, things where the head of state will will die, the, um, you know, a war will kick off, it'll be a, a memorial for something, it'll be, um, you know, it'll be not the right time in just the right way that the unions feel like they have to back down at the moment because they don't have that power. And they'll, they will have to make this choice. Like, especially the way unions are constructed now, like, they'll have to choose whether or not to to go along with it or to back down, whether they have the cultural capital to 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 fight against it or fight through it. Like, it, I don't think it's a democratic way of doing it necessarily, but, like, obviously we elect, we elect uni- union leaders. Are they the right group of people to be making these calls? Should it be more direct democracy i i don't actually think yes that, well <laughs> i don't actually think that it can be direct democracy in the way the unions are currently set up like can you can you imagine if on the day the queen died cwu had like sent out an email to all their members being like should the strike go ahead can you imagine like that happening like can you imagine like can you imagine what would like how long can they keep that poll open? How long can they do that? They need to make a decision now. <laughs> so, like, you, you can't have like, Dave Ward ringing up every every single member of the CWU being like, do you think we should keep on going on strike? What do you mean? And then he gets called a, uh, a, a phone call tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he gets told off for not respecting GDPR or something. Um <laughs> But, like, I think the solution to that is, like, having unions be less centralised in a number of ways and more member-led. And, like, I think that having these cells that would be able to make that decision for themselves uh, while still acting as as an entity is sort of the way, way to go and way to think about it. Because, like, the thing is, like, unions are going to be stronger in different workplaces like some workplaces a union will be really strong and will feel like no actually we we can weather the the bad news here and we want to carry on striking and other places will say well actually we're gonna go out of our way to show respect and deference at this time and like decentralizing things like that like obviously there's issues with it where Union group where it sort of fragments the union almost in a, in a way, but it's still still workers acting as like a collective just on a more decentralized scale, and things like decentralizing the power would also act as like a a leveling mechanism uh, to stop stop people who shouldn't be given too much power and sway in the union being given that power and sway. Uh, which I think is only a good thing, and like y- unions are. I wonder who you might be referring to there. No idea. Um... <laughs> um, but like some union, like unions are, are typically not representative of their members. Like I know, 
for a fact like PCS, the average civil servant is um, like a, a middle-aged woman. And that's not how the top union brass generally looks. I mean, I've, we've got like Fran Heathcote, who is, uh, I think Ellen Nassim's Heathcote, who is the president. But like the general secretary has been Mark Sawatka for like ages, like as long as I can remember. Decentralizing power in a lot of ways will will make a, a union, make union leadership less it will make it less white, it will make it less straight, it will make it less male. <laughs> like, it, it might make it any sort of combination less of any one of those identities, but it will generally be more representative of the members in specific areas and giving more power to decentralized groups probably probably helps with that. Uh, I mean, it gives it gives those group the opportunity to be able to respond in a way that is appropriate for their regional area or their workplace or yeah or, or the the like major demographics within those areas. Like, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm very happy with the the structure of IWW, for <laughs> example. Just to drop that name drop. Whoops, drop that. Yeah, uh, in there. But yeah, yeah. Um, um, so that's going to be it for this week. Uh, stay tuned for a bonus episode this week. We do have a little bit more to talk about. So we've talked briefly about, um, you know, how the, this cultural hegemony affects unions. We'll talk a little bit more as a bonus, shorter episode next week, uh, with what uh, they can do uh, and how they can be useful around this sort of stuff. Yeah, sort of like um, broader, broader struggles... Um, and like how trade unions can be useful in like other social movements, things like that, and then sort of how you can make a bit of an impact on on the kind of things that need to develop to to develop cultural hegemony. Hell yeah! Um, but with that, I think we'll draw this to a close. Thank you loads for listening to our cool voices for a bit. Thank you for allowing us to uh, get all the get all the bad stuff out, <laughs> all that rot out of our heads and into your ears um, to share it with the world. Um, uh, the music used in this episode was Solidarity Forever by Intellectual Dark Wave. You can find them on Bandcamp and Instagram and YouTube where I found them originally. We have socials, as always. You can find us on Twitter dot com uh under unions in the uk that's all one word or you can eel eel mail us eel mails delicious at (laughs) unions in the uk dot co dot uk no unions in the uk dot gmail dot com did it all one word um very good fantastic we will see you next time skibbity be bop boop bop (laughs) 